today? All right, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through to 16. We read this scripture a couple weeks ago, but I want to I want to zoom in on a different portion of it that I think is important for us to grab a hold of today. Verse 14, 1 Timothy chapter 3, it says this, I write these things to you hoping to come to you soon, but if I should be delayed, I have written so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's every shall household. Every shall household? Which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. We talked about that two weeks ago. Most certainly the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, speaking about Jesus, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the word, taken up in glory. Today, as we continue on in our series, Defense Against the Dark Arts, I want to speak to you from this subject right here. Family, friend, or foe? As we deal with the issue that many of us call church hurt. We're going to pray one more time. We've got a lot of scripture to work through today. Y'all ready to talk about some hurt? Y'all ready to talk about some church hurt? How about, how about this question right here? How many of you are ready to find some healing today? All right, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive, it's powerful, it's active, it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. Y'all, we're gonna deal with a subject today that is nuanced and prickly. For many of us, there's some deep wounds that are gonna be touched today. So God, I pray in this moment that your spirit that gives us joy and peace, comfort, hope, would be in this place today as we navigate waters that need to be navigated. I pray that we would do so in your presence. Let's season these words that I speak today with grace. God, that they would fall upon soft hearts and open minds. We thank you for your presence right now in this place, which is so sweet and is already doing the work of healing in our lives. We pray all this in your name. In the name of Jesus, come on to the church shouting. Show of hands, how many of you would agree with me, the world would be a better place if it wasn't for people? <laughs> Come on, let's try this one more time. Let's get some truth in the house today. How many of you would agree with me the world would be a better place if it wasn't for people? Come on. Okay, everybody turn to your neighbor and say he's talking about you, okay? <laughs> turn back to them and say, no, 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 he's actually talking about you. He's, uh, I know you. Um, so... Can we have truth in church today? I think, so. I think we play nice too much. We don't, we don't articulate things that actually need to be articulated. We put some stuff out on the table that we got it. We just got to kind of like piece through it a little bit. And, and, and it's so necessary. How many would you, of you would agree with me? People are hard. Yeah. Come on, can we just look at ourselves for a second? Like, I'm hard. You're hard. We're difficult. How many of you would agree with me on this one? Relationships are difficult. They're tricky. It's, it's hard to navigate, whether that's in church or, or, or family. Friends are difficult. Family's difficult. Church family's difficult. I've, uh, I've dissected. I've done some um, inner work. And I was thinking about my relationships the other day. And I divided my relationships, and as I did, into three categories, the three buckets, if you will. I thought to myself... I think most of us could actually divide all of our relationships into these three buckets as well. And maybe for sure you could probably like parse them out and do a few more. But here's, here's what I've discovered. I have a bucket full of humans that I call family, right? I have a bucket full of humans that I call friends. And then I have a bucket full of humans that I call foes. 
And what's interesting is that as I thought about that, we, we could probably, if you break down all of our relationships, we have all these. And foes doesn't necessarily mean my, my enemy. It just means that at times we are in conflict. It's a more difficult relationship. And what's even more interesting is that occasionally my friends hop into the foe bucket. Come on. Foes hop into the friends bucket. And then family will jump into the foe bucket. And then my foes will jump back into my family bucket. And there's a lot of this movement happening around. And, and at all times, I'm realizing that I'm navigating these three buckets of relationships. But then here's something that blew my mind as I thought about this. There is only one institution in the world. There is only one place where all three buckets collide. It's the church. Foes, friends, family. It, it doesn't happen at your workplace. It doesn't happen even in, in family realities, barbecues. It doesn't happen on the, on the mountain when you're skiing in a few months. It doesn't happen in any of these places. Schools, it doesn't happen there. The one place that all three buckets collide, come on somebody, church. And so then we came up with this term in order to define what can happen in church. We called it church hurt. Anybody with me? Church hurt. Every shout church hurt. Church hurt. Now, here's the qualifier before we move any further that I need us to understand and make sure that we, we are clear on. Church hurt is not an actual thing unless you ran into the building on your way in this morning, which technically speaking is not the church's fault, it's your fault. <laughs> we don't have church hurt. What we have is human hurt that took place when three buckets collided together. But what's happened is over generations, because of this issue of church hurt, we've demonized the church, we've belittled the church, we've dishonored the church, and we've made it into something that's a grand evil that many of us struggle with. And even today, some of us are struggling with sitting in this room, and the fact that I'm talking about the subject matter is already getting you a little bit of, of, of uh, like, uncomfortable. Can I just say we got donuts after, so it's all going to be good, okay? <laughs> it's all going to be good. But I've come to realize that we have to, we have to deal with this issue. But the church is not what hurt any of us. It's the people. Here's another, another uh, better way to put it, maybe. The church is not broken. It's people are. And I know sometimes we, we interchange this, but that's why we get fearful. Like, this is not, th this, this is a building. This stuff's a, sorry, online. Building. Building. Church. Church. And you're going to collide into somebody today that you disagree with, that looks different, comes from a different background, has different financial means, sees things differently, has a different perspective. Oh, come on, church. And how many of you agree with me? Show hands. Truthful moment. Like just a little, little therapy. Show hands. How many of you know that it is this context that all the hurt in the world is possible? And then God has the audacity to write to us about how we should work with one another. <laughs> and some of us were like, can I just sit in my single seat, come in and leave, and no one see to me? Take a donut and no one see me. <laughs> the answer to that is no. Because that's not the design of the church. The design of the church is not meant 
was never designed to be a place of anonymity. It's actually a place where we've been called to be known, seen, heard, engaged in relationship. As big as it grows, as small as it is, it doesn't matter. Big churches, small churches, and everywhere in between, we've actually been designed to work together in this thing called the household of faith. But how many of you agree with me? Houses get crazy sometimes. I haven't seen my, uh, I've been with my wife and our overseers over the past couple uh, days now. We hadn't seen our kids in a couple days. We got home, we piled into a house, and you would have thought that it was like, that it was like, oh, everything, everybody's going to just come together in this one big just group hug, and the kids are going to weep. Oh, mother, oh, father, we haven't seen thy in many days, right? Like, <laughs> but that didn't happen. I had to, I had to bribe my four-year-old for a hug. <laughs> I was like, Eliana, come here. Come hug me. She's like, uh uh-uh. uh. I'll give you a car. Okay. <laughs> and 10 minutes into the gathering of our family union again, people are arguing, engaged with each other. We're now all of a sudden, it's been beautiful and harmonious between us for the past three days now. And then all of a sudden, you add the power. It's like, are you in there? Are you helping? Can you grab this? Eliana, stop biting the dog. Justice, stop biting your sister, right? Like, it's all happening. Every shout, house. house. This is a house. And so the same things happen. Hopefully no one's biting you. That's weird. <laughs> That's when security comes. <laughs> <laughs> we got a biter. <laughs> Titus 1.5, watch this. The reason I left you in Crete was to set right what was left undone, and as I directed you to appoint elders in every town. The leadership directive to Titus from Paul was to set right what was left undone. It was to create this thing called a, a family, a, a household. Listen to what Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Lots of Bible today. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to fight about words. This is useless and leads to the ruin of those who listen. Be diligent to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, correctly teaching the word of truth. Avoid irreverent and empty speech since those who engage in it will produce even more godlessness. And their teaching will spread like gangrene. Hymenaeus and Philetus are among them. They have departed from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they are ruining the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. Bearing this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his, and let everyone who calls on the name of the Lord turn away from wickedness. So right here, Paul is highlighting for Timothy the problems that are going on within the family. And then this is what he says in verse 20. Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also those of wood and clay. Some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. So if anyone purifies himself from anything dishonorable, he will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. So right here, Paul writes to Timothy and says, I want you to see the, the, the contents of the house. I want you to see that there are these varying relationships. There's stuff going on. Things are happening. And because of this, what I need you to do, flee from youthful passions. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Reject foolish and ignorant disputes. Oh, come on, somebody. How many of you know that would help us right now? 
because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to, come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Paul writes to Timothy and says the church is a house, one that can get a bit crazy at times, one that contains family, friend, and foe. And this is why he deals so much with design and decorum and behavior. The body, the church of Christ is unique and, and, and nuanced. It is unlike any institution in the world. And I hate using that term because it's not really an institution. It's a, it's a body. It's a, it's a house, house of faith. But for us to understand this, this is the one place where all three of these buckets collide. And some of us in this room today have been hurt because of it. We carry wounds. Now let me make one more qualifier before we move on because some of us might be sitting here and our, and our minds are reeling right now because you're like, well, you don't know what was done to me. What I'm dealing with today is what I would call the vast percentage of hurts and wounds and offenses that have taken place, not the, not the minority issues. And the minority issues would be where there's illegal behavior, grand degrees of abuse, things that are absolutely wrong. You guys hear what I'm saying? That is a smaller percentage of the hurts and I know they exist and statistics would tell us in this room that it, it's taken place. That is a more deeper and nuanced and profound issue we have to deal with. What I'm dealing with today is the vast degree of hurt and offense that has taken place because somebody didn't see us when we walked in the door. Somebody said something. Somebody rubbed me the wrong way. I saw some that I've never talked to at church post something on Facebook that I disagree with. Hurt. Offense. Jason didn't say hi when he walked in the door, when he walked past me because he was focused on something else. Come on. Am I helping the church today? This is gonna be more of a surgery message for some of us because I believe that we can build better. I believe that we can actually be a church that finds freedom and healing and wholeness in these issues if we would just deal with what we need to deal with. Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through to 22, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but what Paul writes in Ephesians is this idea that these people groups have been brought together from different spaces and different places, and then he uses this term, you are now citizens and saints brought together in this household of faith. I love this. We'll start in verse 14. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. In his flesh he made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. Come on, somebody. He came and proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. For through him we have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are also being, here it is, built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. It's in all these pieces of scripture that we see the beauty, the design, the contents of the church. 
what we see is that there's a very unique and specific call and purpose for it, for us. The problem that we run into is that within this house, people hurt each other. Can we all agree on this fact, that every single one of us is human in this room today? Come on, don't get quiet on me, church. Come on, are we all human in here? How many of you would agree with me that as long as humanity is at work, hurt is gonna happen? It's gonna happen. See, but God doesn't strip our humanity away. Rather, he teaches us by way of his spirit how to live in a new way, maybe a new way to be human. And we operate in that spirit and we we work in that spirit so that we can become who God's called us to be. But here's the problem. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5 tells us why hurt happens. Listen to what it says, but you know this. Hard times will come in the last days. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanders, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Holding to the form of godliness but denying its power. How many of you know that if that's happening, hurts? going to take place. Hurt's going to take place. Now, it's, it's easy to think because now here's this next qualifier. Watch what Paul says. He says, avoid these people. Come on, laugh for a second. It's okay. <laughs> he says, avoid these people. Now, it's really easy. We can go, okay, he says, avoid these people. He must be talking to everybody outside of the church. The problem is, is that he wasn't. He wrote a letter to the leader of the church. Timothy wasn't walking around reading this letter at Starbucks so everyone knew who they were. It's not how it worked. He was saying these things exist. Why? Because the buckets of humanity collide. And when he uses this term, when he talks about avoiding this people, he's not, he's not saying move the church, segregate the church into like people who are not this and people who are this. He wasn't saying that. He was saying don't let these things influence you. Don't let this, these things that are happening influence the house. That's why throughout Scripture we read about reconciliation and forgiveness and grace. Come on, somebody. But we've got to deal with this hurt issue. I think a portion of Scripture like this challenges us. But what happens is because we've been hurt in church, we tend to reject the church because we've been hurt by its people. Instead of continuing to lean in and work to build better and create alignment with God's intended design. And within our cancel culture world that we are living in, there's become an even greater and more visceral response to hurt within the church. And so what we do is we cancel it and we cancel God. In a cancel culture world, church, we have to be a countercultural people. This should be the last place where we're canceling each other. Come on, somebody. This should be the last place where Bree's canceling me and I'm canceling Bree. But doesn't it happen? Donut Sunday. They got all these donuts. None of them gluten-free. I don't feel seen. I don't feel heard. If you're gluten-free, I apologize for that joke. I see you. 
We just don't purchase on your behalf. <laughs> and so what we try to do is we try to build churches that look like us, think like us, create Christian echo chambers. And we try to hide in these spaces and places instead of showing the world who we're actually supposed to be. Am I helping anybody out today? But when you try to live for design, hurt's gonna happen. Isn't that a weird thing to think about? Like when you try to do it by design, hurt's gonna happen. Eric and I, we're, we, we are striving, and I'll use that term, we're striving for a healthy marriage, but you know what? I've hurt her. And she's hurt me. I've, I've said things and done things that I didn't mean, whether it was a naivety or anger or frustration. There, there's, there's a grand reality that offense should be happening right here. But guess what we do? We face each other. We deal with it, the hard stuff. We talk through the hard things. Come on, somebody. This is why we're doing a series like this, because we have to talk through the hard things. I promise you, we're going to get to December, we're going to turn the corner, we're going to do, do a series called Joyful, right? It's Donut Sunday every weekend. But we got to do some surgery. Why? Because God has something for us. He has a place he's taking us. He has a family that he's building. He has something unique and nuanced that he's doing right here at the well. If you are online or in the building today, and so we got to fight for this. We got to believe for this. We got to train for this. We got to engage in this. We got to be the people that God has called us to be. But to deal with it, we have to deal with our hurt. And hurt hurts to deal with. So I've come up with some truths that I want to throw at us today that I think will, will help with the process. And uh, grab a hold of them. They're really basic truths, but I, I, think, the, I think they'll help. Every shot number one? Here's the first truth we need to grab a hold of in, in dealing with this whole church hurt issue. Because we have to recognize this, that hurt will happen. Hurt will happen. I think the first step in dealing with any issue is facing the fact, as hard as it is at times, that the thing that we try to avoid the most is the thing that's going to happen. Come on. And so what we do is we try to, this is what's interesting, especially about church life, is we go to a church and we walk in and we try to avoid hurt. This is actually what I found very interesting about relationships that take place in church is that the reason that we want to be anonymous is because we are afraid of getting hurt. So we stay anonymous in the very place that we shouldn't be anonymous, in the very family that we've been called to be a part of, and then what ends up happening is because of our anonymity, we believe that nobody sees us and we're hurt and we leave. It's a cycle that's not your fault or their fault or anybody's fault. It's a cycle that the enemy wants us to get into because if he can pick us off when we are isolated and alone, then we struggle building the very thing that is God's plan A. But all when we get into relationship, regardless of hurt, can take place or not, and we lock arms and we say, no matter what, no matter what hurts me, we're gonna put one foot in front of the other. We're gonna work it out. We're gonna do gospel, and we're gonna figure this thing out 
then we be everything that God's called us to be. We have to admit that humanity is in the house. What, what? (laughs) People are going to hurt you. Seth's going to hurt me. Pastor Dave hurts me all the time. You laugh because that's not, he's not capable, right? Hurt's going to happen. I think what we struggle with is that we have this altruistic idea that hurt can't happen in church. Come on, am I talking to anybody? We have this idea that it's not possible. And we have a tendency, here's what I've come to realize, just a challenging reality is the reason that we believe this is because we have a higher assessment of ourselves than we do of others. If people would be like me, then hurt would never happen. Problem is, is you hurt people just as much as people hurt you. Can we just face some of these things? And if we face them, then we can, we can move on to this next truth right here. Number two, every shot. Number two? Here's the second thing. Hurt doesn't have to hinder. Oh, come on. Hurt doesn't have to hinder. It doesn't have to hold us back. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 28 says this, and we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Don't, don't stifle the spirit. Don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. Brothers and sisters, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us also. Greet all the brothers and sisters with a holy kiss. We won't dig into that right now, but don't do it. (laughs) I'm just saying. (laughs) Some of the singles are like, yes. I charge you by the Lord that this letter to be read to all the brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. He says this thing, this statement that maybe you just quickly glanced by. He says, hold on to what is good. How many of you'd agree with me that we have a tendency rather though to hold on to all that's been bad? Isn't it easier to find all the negative things Isn't it easier to think all, find all the offensive things? But Paul says, hold on to what is, is good. Like I said, this is a very surgical message today. I, I just want you to know that I love you with everything that I am. But here's a problem that I'm, I'm noticing. Is that when we begin the journey of holding on to everything that is bad instead of that which is good, then every place that we find ourselves, we collect another bad thing. And we say, see, I'm going to say something to this room that I said in the first service, and I'll say it in the third service as well, that you've never heard a pastor say in his entire life. But there are some of us in here today that shouldn't be here today 
because we're still holding on to what is bad from the place we left. And we haven't healed it. And that's not how we do Bible. That's not how we do Bible. I want to encourage you, if that's the case, go back and have a conversation. Go back and sit down with that leader. Go back and sit down with that pastor. Because what we end up doing is we end up, watch this, we end up taking all of the bad that we're holding on to and we start building a wall around us. We take another bad thing. Oh, see, that happened at the well. Another piece of the wall. And we pick up our wall and we go somewhere else. We plant it. We look around and something happens. Another piece of the wall. Another brick in the wall. <laughs> Some of you got that. <laughs> the rest we need to educate right now. <laughs> Put the wall down. Take another. And sooner or later, we're isolated and alone in this wall of hurt that we've built. And we start this little thing that we call deconstruction. We talk about how bad the church is. How we point fingers over the wall. I want you to get this picture. We point fingers over the wall. Nothing ever gets pointed back at us. That's not how we've been called to live. That's not how we've been called to be. Hold on to what is good. And here's what I've come to realize. What is good tends to outweigh all the things that are bad. And in order to hold on to what is good, you have to drop the rest of the baggage. Come on. You got it. What do I do with this? You ever watch a little kid who's got like trying to figure out, they're trying to mentally process through their like, I just watched one in the first service. She had two donuts in her hand. And she, she's trying to figure out, like, she had another thing to pick up. So what am I going to do? Come on. What, what am, at a certain, in order to pick something else up, you got to drop what you've been carrying for a really long time. Can I say this as your pastor today? I'm so sorry for those of you who are sitting in this room that have been hurt by leadership, that have hurt, been hurt by bad systems and processes, that have been hurt by, by negligence, what I call theological ninja stars. <laughs> I'm sorry that's your experience. But can I also tell you that the church is not perfect? The head of the church is perfect. His name is Jesus. But his people aren't. Oh, come on. Come on. If this is a unique experience for you, I, I use this kind of as a coaching. I'm, I'm trying to be your pastor right now. Like I said, we're going to get to joyful later. 
But we got to do some hard work right now. Come on, because there's still people to reach. There's still empty seats in the room. Reserved for people who need to find healing and hope in Jesus. But the only way that we do that is becoming a healthy body. So these letters in the Bible, they're for all of us. So many times we, we, glance, past, like we glance past First and Second Timothy and Titus, and you're like, well, that, I don't know how that's going to apply to me. This applies. This is letters written to the leader of a church. And he's saying, I need you to get some things in order. I need you to work on things. Oh, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul's going to write about the qualifications of deacons and, and elders, leaders in the church. He's going to say, listen, I want you to behave a certain way. I want you to be a certain way. And it grieves my heart that that doesn't happen, but humanity still exists. And I just want to tell you, for the sake of being able to say it so they can hear it from the horse's mouth, I pray that we can constantly be the church that stays low, that stays humble, that doesn't get full of itself so that we can be the household of faith that God has called us to be. I love the church. I love the thing that Jesus said he would build and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. But as I mentioned a few weeks ago, I don't think it's the gates of hell prevailing against the church. I think it's, it's people. So here's the last one, last truth. If hurt's gonna happen, and it will, come on, someone shout it will. But we just learned that hurt doesn't have to hinder us. We can move forward. Come on, we can move forward. How? Well, number three, because hurt can be healed. I said hurt can be healed. I said hurt can be healed. Do we still believe in a God who heals? Do we still believe in the God who, who touches the broken spaces and, and brings life to them? Do we, do we still believe in the resurrection power of God that brings dead things back to life? Do we still believe in the one who walked on water? Do we still believe in the one who says that by his stripes we are healed? So hurt can be healed. I'll read you a really cool scripture. Psalm 34, verse 17 through 20. I love this. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears. And he rescues them from all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He sa- oh, he saves those crushed in spirit. He saves those crushed in spirit. One who is righteous has many adversities. But the Lord rescues him from them all. He protects all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. If you're brokenhearted in here today, if you've been hurt, if coming into this church today was the biggest step that you've taken in the year, and you were anxious, and you were ridden with anxiety because how are these people gonna see me, and am I gonna experience what I experienced before? And I know this is a very nuanced message because some of you are like, I've never stepped foot into a church before. But if you are here today, and you've never stepped foot into church before, I want you to hear the heart of a church. And if you've stepped into church before and you've been hurt by the church, I want you to know what type of place you are a part of. Why? Because we are a family. We are people who serve the God who heals. Now watch this. Jesus led this little church. He 
He brought men and women together. Did you know the funding source for Jesus' missionary travels was wealthy women? Go look it up. There was low view of women culturally in that time. And Jesus brought them all together. And then he says, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And Jesus ate with them, broke bread, drank wine with them, traveled with them. He washed their feet. And then Peter, stinking Peter. When everything hit the fan, Peter denies Jesus. Can we look at the humanity for a second in all of this? I have no part with him. I don't want any part with him. I was never around him. What are y'all, what are y'all talking about? And he flees. Jesus dies. He's placed in the grave. Rises three days later. Oh, come on. And just before he ascends to heaven, guess where Jesus goes? He goes to find Peter. Stinking Peter. The Bible says that Peter and Jesus have breakfast on the beach. He had prepared breakfast. And I find it fascinating that Jesus would find Peter in order to heal Peter. Because just a little while later, Peter would preach one of the greatest sermons on the day of Pentecost. And 3,000 people would be added to the church that day. But here's the beautiful thing that I need us to realize, is that Peter couldn't preach what he didn't first experience. And my concern for the church is we're trying to preach things that we are unwilling to practice. We preach hope, we live hopeless. We preach strength and we live fearful. We preach grace and we cancel each other. Jesus. And today is my attempt to sit us on a beach so that we can have breakfast with Jesus. And it's by that fire of faith that you and I find the healing that we need. Some of you today need to put the hurt down. The offense needs to be put at the altar. It needs to be put at the feet of Jesus. Some of us have some apologizing to do, some forgiveness that we need to ask for, some relationships that we need to try to button up. Come on. And it's there where the brethren are in unity 
It commands blessing.